Huh? Your own. Alright. You run the commercial? Do it. According to Monique means that the hat on the head means you're lying. I've never heard that, but you know, that's the origin of cap. Um, I'm about to look this up. I'm gonna look You know, tendencies to be less open minded. Which is crazy because that's literally one of the three spiritual principles that right. we have to follow. Yeah. We have to have open yeah, we have to be open minded. Don't that's sound like the president yeah, 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 start yeah. inventorying yourself, but, you know, be true to yourself. You know, you don't have to. And when I came back, the place was a mess, so I knew I was missed. <laughs> it's beyond my wildest imagination. It's getting deep in here now. now it's it's incredible. <laughs> have the rainbow without going through the rain. And I, I love it. Me that's too. good. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to do this. I'll hold the mic. You read the point. I'm Jennifer. I'm Jennifer. Thank you. All right. It's called Step Into Recovery. I'd rather die than do this again. Staying clean is my only option. My only hope, no more drugs, no more dope. Time to get out, get on top, succeed. Never look back, be the queen I'm supposed to be. Can you be the king I need? My hero, my protector, my strength. It's us against the world trying to go half on a baby girl. You say you want me, need me, but do you really see me? Step into recovery, that's where we need to be. King and queen to succeed, because this life full of salt off, lace coke, weed with fentanyl, leads to poverty, death, and penitentiary. Take a step back, look at me. Mentality recovering. Insanity no longer part of my reality. Honesty is now 100% of me. So don't take the second chance for granted. Take a deep breath, reflect, and appreciate it. Thank you. Good job. Not bad, huh? One of the benefits of having a lot of time on your hand, you can get a good poem out. All right, look, uh, y'all know Stuart, Moses, they've all spoke down here, but Stuart's celebrating some odd good amount of years tonight, 35, 40, whatever, but Marshall went to that anniversary celebration, so that's why Marshall's not here. Now, don't panic. I got a little motivational hope shot for you. Y'all want to hear it? I ain't saying it. Y'all really don't want to hear it. Y'all want to hear this or not? All right. I'm kind of, you know, you get old, you got to be motivated. You know what I mean? It just don't, like, come that easy or quick. But some of y'all probably heard this. Some of you may not. But there's an addict. He's in recovery, and he's walking down the street. And, he, and it's cold out, okay? It's like, you know, 28 degrees. And he sees this snake. And the snake is a drug, man. And the snake is on the ground freezing to death, right? It's cold. And the addict's walking around minding his own business. And, and he, he sees this snake. And the snake looks up at this addict and goes, Mr. Mister, please help me. And the addict goes, what the fuck, you're a snake, you're poisonous. What am I supposed to be, even be near you? The snake goes, mister, mister, I'm dying. I need help, help me. And it goes, man, you done lost your mind. I know better than, that, than to help a snake that's freezing. That don't even make sense. Snake goes, mister, mister, look, man, I need you to pick me up and warm me so I can live. That's your job, help me. And it goes, man... 
that don't sound right, but, you know, he's got a little recovery under his belt. He wants to help people, place and things. He's feeling good about his recovery. He's got a strong program, sponsor, work the step, home group. He takes it upon himself before calling his sponsor to pick up that snake. So he picks up the snake, puts it in his jacket, and they go walking together, and the snake's warming up, and the snake... Oh, thank you so much for picking me up, man. That's just the coolest thing. Now I can live and go on to be snake and stuff. And then they go a little bit further. And out of nowhere, the snake, doom, right in his neck, man. Both fang pumps that venom in there. They both drop to the pavement. The snake falls back out on the cold sidewalk. The addict's laying there. They're both dying. And the addict looked at the snake and said, Man, why'd you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the snake responded, Well, you knew what I was when you picked me up. You get it? You're going to leave up out of here. Young lady lost up out of there last week. Didn't make it a week and she's dead. Another lady got out. Missing. How many times do you hear about somebody gets out and within a short period of time you find out they don't make it? What we talk about is real. There is, there is no safe drug supply out there. You know that, don't you? If you don't, if it ain't packaged in a, and you get it from a manufacturer with a good manufacturing practices, properly labeled, shit ain't real. I'm giving you, I'm giving you one of those prevention talks real quick, okay? Because I know a lot of y'all going to go out there and you're going you're to do some shit, okay? You're going to do some drugs. Don't do it alone. If you're doing opiates, make sure you got somebody with you, you got Narcan, because you're going to need it. It's just a fact of life. Sooner or later, you're going to need the shit. If, if you got to do something, do something that's legal. Don't do that illegal shit. Y'all know... Alcohol is legal, right? I don't encourage it, but if you're going to relapse, try that. But make sure you got a drinking buddy with you, designated driver. How many of y'all try to drive without a designated driver? How many of y'all here for DUI? Tell the truth. Y'all lying motherfuckers, only one of you, two of you. <laughs> Shit. Goddamn, you know, you can go get a medical cannabis card. You know, try that, but beware of that. Sticky shit that's like 98% pure. Next thing you know, you're strung out on that shit, and then you'll want something strong, and you'll be back up here with the snake. So, but myself and the people I run with and bring up in here, chances are good we're 100% abstinent. Now, another little prevention chat. If you do think you want to do some fentanyl or some opiates, just go see a Suboxone doctor or methadone. Just... Run up in those places. At least it's a safe drug supply. You follow me? Because you, you can't trust nothing out there. And there ain't nothing worse than a drug deal to get locked up. And all these addicts got to go to a drug deal they don't know. Next thing you know, they don't know what they're getting. This makes sense? How many times have we heard that story? My dealer knows what he's doing. He's got the good shit. He ain't never letting me down. Well, he ain't there. So then you got to go to Snooker down on second, right? You don't know what you're getting, man. Next thing you know, you're fucking OD laying down MCV. You know, so what you think you know, you probably don't know. You know I'm right. I like the way you did that head shake, man. The, uh, 
But anyway, that's my motivation, hip talk. I know I didn't do as good a job as Marshall. He'll probably scold me later for this. His wife, Brenda's probably watching. Oh, Marshall, you should have gone to the meeting. But anyway, I have a very good speaker for you. He spoke last week at West. He did such a great job. I thought, I said, well, hell, we got to get you out the east. So he agreed to come down here. And I don't know if you know it or not, but it takes us about an hour to drive out here and an hour to drive home. So, you know, we love coming out here. You guys are respectful. The ladies are fine. I mean, y'all do a good job paying attention. It motivates us, okay? So let's keep our winning streak going, all right? So let's give a warm JLE welcome to Hakeem. Come on up, Hakeem. doing all right uh it's good right here stand right here okay is it on okay all right there we go anyway i'm hakeem right and i'm a recovering addict and um i want to thank you people right for coming out and sitting to listen to somebody and hopefully i could be a hope shot for somebody in here to where uh, they'll like make a decision that they won't ever use again, or at least put them on a path of recovery, right? That they could do something different with their lives. So I was gonna ask a question and John kind of went there with it, but um, you know, I'd like to know who I'm talking to. So I'm assuming everyone in here is in like a, a, a recovery program right here. So it's safe to say that uh, we are alcoholics, addicts, People here who like uh, 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 is locked up because of their drug use or, or, or activities involving alcohol or drugs. Okay, well, then I'm right at home, you know, because like I said, I'm an addict. And there's nothing wrong with being an addict, right? It's about what you want to do about your situation, right? So the lie is dead, once an addict, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. No, we do recover, and I'm living proof that we do, you know. So I stand here today, right, uh, speaking to you guys, a happy, joyous, and free person, right? So, like, I want to take you back and, and let you know a little bit about me, right, to how I got to this place, right? So, like, I've been clean, uh, totally abstinent from drugs and alcohol, since March 24th, 2016. So I was like, I've been clean now for um, uh, seven and a half years. Coming up on seven and a half years. I'm glad today, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do some recovery talk and I'm assuming you guys know what, I, what I'm talking about since you're in a recovery program, right? So it's like, I'm glad today that I can say that like, I am most of us, just in case you don't know, I'll tell you, most of us. It's like I'm grateful that, like, I'm an addict or that, like, I don't have to struggle with am I an addict, am I an alcohol, alcoholic, right? I don't have to think twice about that question today, right? But see, for so long, I, 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 because of denial, there was nothing wrong with me. I don't have a problem with drugs. I ain't got a problem with alcohol. I ain't got a problem with nothing. In fact, I was damn near perfect, if you ask me. 
I don't have a problem. You got the problem. You got the problem. I'm always pointing the finger. I'm talking about going back, right? Always pointing the finger, putting blame on people, places, and things, and there's like nothing wrong with me. We call it like caught up in total self-centeredness. That's what recovery has taught me when I finally gave myself a, gave myself a break to like sit down and listen to, to people like coming in and talking about like what recovery is all about. So I know today like recovery is an active change of ideas and attitudes, right? But see, when I first heard that, it went over my head, like I said, through my ear, one, one ear and out the other, right? Because like I said, ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm not no damn addict. I, I'm, and I'm gonna take you back, right? So it's like, I was born in Newark, New Jersey. I grew up in New York and, and, and my family uh, was fortunate enough to like have good jobs and stuff like that. And we moved like right outside the city in the suburbs going towards upstate New York, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm just talking about me. I like school, I play sports, I come from a structured household, um, I like school, I went to college, I was the first person in my family to go, and, and it was like, I was like the poster child of my family being the oldest, right? Because uh, other family members, like being from where I'm from, they, they never afforded the opportunities that, that me and my uh, siblings was afforded, right? You know, when uh, summertime came, uh, they would come to our house. We wanted to go to where they were. We wanted to go back. <laughs> but, you know, it, it didn't turn out like that, right? So where I'm going with this is there was a period of time when the crack epidemic, like, hit New York, right? And, and, and I had, like, no... Uh, 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 What's the word I'm looking for? I didn't want to do it. It wasn't in my best interest. It was like, I didn't care to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a teenager. Okay, I smoked weed. I drank alcohol. You know, I did all the things that uh, uh, most, I'm going to say most, teenagers do growing up for whatever reason. Peer pressure because you wanted to do it, you know, whatever. I did it to fit in, right? So crack came along like right around uh, when I first started college, right? And it was like, I saw the devastation that it did to families, to the community, um, to friends, personal friends of mine who, who made that decision to try it, right? And it was like, hell no, I don't want nothing to do with that. We called them junkies, right? I ain't know the word addict back then. You was either a junkie or a wino. I ain't know nothing about the word alcoholic. You a junkie, you a dope fiend, you, you know, that's what we called them. So um, me thinking I'm better then, right? I'm talking about me. I had a, 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 a really big ego. I didn't know at the time, right? I was very arrogant, I was very judgmental, and, and, and a whole bunch of other like negative like adjectives that like always impaired relationships with people, right? Whether it was um, uh, some of my dudes, whether it was the opposite sex, I'm talking about girlfriends, um, just, just relationships, period. 
the way I carried myself and who I thought I was. You know, uh, I don't like authority. I don't like nobody telling me what to do. So um, I'm growing up, and, 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 and I get to a place to where um, I'm, I'm feeling some successes right early on in life. I'm talking about like by the time I was, I get the, the, the math right, by the time I was 30, but by the time I was at least 25 to 30, I had bought like two new cars, right? Um, I had traveled all over the United States, vacationed, um, I got married, um, you know, and, and I, I lived overseas, I vacationed in Germany, I vacationed in Greece, I vacationed in Cyprus, I've been all over Turkey, you know, I've been a lot of places. And, and, and life was good, at least that's what I thought, right? So I find myself in Washington, D.C., working at the Pentagon for the Secretary of the Navy. My shit don't stink. I'm wearing shirts, ties, suits. You know, I'm married. Um, I'm a terrible husband because I, I cheat, right? I, I got a wife and, like, several girlfriends. But I do have a good quality, right? I'm a good father, right? How many in here are fathers? Okay. How many in here are wives? How many in here are, 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 are sons or daughters? Okay, they, we, we, the hands are going up. We're covering the bases. Where I'm going with this is like, at one time I was a good son, right? Um, I wasn't such a great father, uh, 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 husband, but I was a good father. But what I do know is like my personality and, and later on, like drugs and alcohol destroyed those relationships. So I find myself, like, recently divorced, working for the Secretary of the Navy, and, and, and when I get divorced, I'm awarded custody of my son. It was a mutual agreement because I was a good father. I was coaching kids basketball, which I had done for over 10 years, right? Um, I was uh, mentoring kids, and I was pretty much an upstanding guy that people respected and said, yeah, he's a good dude, right? But I had issues, issues where I didn't know how to keep it in my pants, right? I told you I was married, but I constantly cheated, ran the clubs. You know, I was always out. I spent time with my son, but I didn't give my wife what she needed. And Jennifer, thank you, because you touched me with that poem, right, talking about uh, your rightful place as a queen and, your, and, and dudes, your rightful place as a king. Today, I can claim that. But going back, so I get recently divorced, and I meet this one person, right, who was a federal employee just like me, and, and introduced me to crack, and I said yes, right? And, and my whole idea of, of what it was about kind of like changed because when I started getting high, it was people like me. I'm talking about soccer moms, homeowners, uh, people who uh, were pretty successful in life, right? And I saw a different side of that, what I thought was dereliction. You know, I'm talking about end-of-the-road stuff that I didn't know back then. You know, I saw a whole different side. Well, maybe it ain't so bad. And when I went in, I went in, I went in hard, and it didn't take long for me to uh, lose the apartment, right, for my uh, ex-wife to come back and take my son, 
right? It didn't take long for me to be like selling all the stuff in my house by the time I was evicted, right? I'm talking about taking it to the pawn shop and never getting it back. You know, um, I used to pride myself on my clothes and, and like, you know, living in Turkey, I brought a lot of gold, pawning it, not getting it back. You know, I'm talking about material stuff that made me feel like the, 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 the cool ass dude I thought I was, right? Uh, you know, like I said, I had bought two new cars. Fast forwarding, what brought me to my first introduction to recovery, right? I was living in Ohio and I let that car go to somebody. They call it geeking it out there. We call, I think they call it pawning it out here because I did it here in Richmond too, right? And, and I didn't get that car back. But getting to that point of letting that car go, you know, I had... Uh, had the house go, or had the apartment go, had all my stuff go, and my wife took my son back, and I'm ass out. So I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I get a job. You know, I got skills, I get a job. And I'm clean for a minute, long enough to get this job, and I start using. And then my ex-wife at the time, right, because we were married twice. <laughs> she tricked me the second time. Y'all can laugh. I'll tell you how she tricked me. But um, so she has to go overseas, right, for a year. And what is she going to do with our son? So she brings him to Richmond, Virginia, and I take him again. So I stop using for a minute. I get the good job again. I get a job as a manager, FedEx Ground. And I start using again. And she gets wind of it, and I say I'm not. But I am. She comes home after six months, and she gets this bright idea to put in my head, let's get married again. Because uh, technically, I have custody, right? She can't just take him to Ohio without going through uh, the courts and stuff like that. And we get married, she goes back for six months, and she comes back, I clean up again, I stop using. She gets back, we go to Ohio, and we weren't there about three days before she told me she didn't want to be married. That was the only way to get my son, our son, like with both of us, where she could like see him every day. And that kind of tore me up. I didn't know at the time that I had, I'm going to keep going back and forth, right? I didn't know that I had an issue with relationships. So she drops this on me. I try to stick around. I run back to Richmond, Virginia. I get a job again. I leave my son there. I can't deal with this, right? I come back to Richmond, Virginia. I get a job again, a great job. I start using again to lose everything. I'm talking about like, you know, just like the last time. I get the job. I start grooming myself again. You know, I'm getting a check. I start buying myself clothes. I start smelling my ass, you know, and I'm good. Not yet quite knowing that drugs is the problem. You know, we got a question we asked in recovery. Could it be the drugs? No, it ain't the drugs. There's nothing wrong with me. I can stop whenever I want. My track record shows that I can, and for all purposes, I did. 
long enough to get the job, to get the girlfriend again, to get whatever it was that I was searching for, only to go back to the same place of using again. So, I start using, and the same thing, I lose the job. Now I don't have nowhere to go. I run back to Ohio. She lets me come and stay with her. I get the job. Again, I rent a townhouse, and she sees I'm doing good, and, and, and she says, your son can stay with you. It's best he be with his father. I am a good father, as long as I ain't using, right? I'm talking about the dad, like I said, that used to coach his son, that the same dad that, like, I can cook, used to cook for my son, you know, the same dad that went on all the school trips, the same father that would chaperone the other kids, but when I started using, it was the ramen noodles and the cakes and the quick fast food, and I ain't taught, wherever there's a coupon, that's how I'm feeding my son. So I'm back in Ohio, right? I rent this townhouse, and he's going to come and start the school year with me when the summer is over. It didn't take me long to get in that vicious pattern again of spending all my money using it, and I get evicted from this townhouse that I'm renting in less than like four months, because I think I paid rent once. Yeah, yeah. Rent-a-center furniture, all that's going again. I don't need it anyway, you know. So she allows me to come back into the house, you know, and, and stay there. In the meantime, I'm still getting high, right, and there's a problem. And that brought me to where I found myself 3 o'clock in the morning in Dayton, Ohio, downtown, watched the dude, drive my car by, and didn't stop to bring it back. I had to call her, my ex-wife, three in the morning to come get me. And she would say, that's enough. So I get in the phone book, I'm making phone calls, and I still got insurance through the job that I had just lost again. And they put me in touch with these people in Toledo, Ohio, and I went to treatment for the first time in my life. And I go to treatment and I complete that program, you know, and, and then they transfer me to uh, uh, like a, a halfway program, the Salvation Army, and I go there and I'm doing fine. And so I got kicked out for fighting. But anyway, I go there and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I get the great job again and I get introduced to a 12-step program, Narcotics Anonymous. You know, and I start using again. I come back to Virginia. I get plugged in in Virginia. I get the job again. I get plugged into Narcotics Anonymous, right? And I start using again. And then I leave. And then I come back, you know, three or four months later, dirty, dusty, you know, the same way I came in every time, you know. And this time, the last time, I came in, and I had like six months clean. And I meet this young lady, and it, and it takes me back to Jennifer. You're Jennifer, right? Yeah, why it touched me so much. Because I met this young lady, right, who, uh, who was fresh out of treatment, with like 30 days clean and living in a recovery house, and me and her got into a relationship, 
and it was shortly after that that uh, we got married, right? You know, and, and I'm grateful for it, but we got married and we used, and for 10 years, me and my current wife used drugs and it was pure hell. It hurt me way than it, worse than it hurt me before because I experienced some things, right, that got me finally to the place to where I was at the end of the road that we talk about jails, institutions, and death, right? So no, okay, no, I don't have a jail story. I told you that, and I was just talking to Steve back there. I've been in some situations. My step work has revealed a, a page this long, you know, other, other than, and we, ain't, we ain't gonna mention them, but I, I done committed damn near every crime that, that, that you can uh, imagine, you know? So um, I'm not happy about a lot of the things that I've done, right? But the point is, you know, getting back to where I'm going, me and my wife get married, and, and it took me 10 years to get to that end of the road place. So jails ain't my story, but institutions is. And when I found my way back to uh, the rooms of recovery, it was a death for me. It was a spiritual death inside and damn near physical death, and that's where I wanted to take you to right now. So, like... Every time I came in and tried to get this thing right, y'all was saying stuff to me that was going over my head because I'm still carrying myself like uh, the guy from the Pentagon. You know, I'm talking about the old me, the guy that speaks three languages, the guy that did this, the guy that did that. And it was like, y'all was telling me, we don't care about what you have or what you did. What is your problem? How we can help? I didn't hear that because I didn't have a problem. Today, like I said, I'm grateful that I am most of us. I don't have to think twice about it. So it's okay to be an addict. We do recover, right? So it's what I'm doing about my situation that I can stand here and call myself a proud recovering addict, a grateful recovering addict. So it's like I heard things like people are, are talking about uh, eating out of garbage cans, right? I heard people talking about robbing and stealing, right? I heard people talking about, and, 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 and I don't care about anyone's sexuality, right? But if, if you're gay, that's fine. If you're lesbian, that's fine. If you're homosexual, that's fine. There's room for all manifestations of people seeking recovery, right? But what I'm specifically talking about is where the drugs and alcohol took people. I'm talking about a man who identifies as being straight, talking about having sex with another man. I'm talking about the woman who identifies as being straight, but having uh, uh, relations with another woman, not because that's who they were, but because the drugs had compromised them and took them to a place that they did whatever they need to do to get one more. Right? So I'm talking about those yets. No, I'm not a homosexual man. I'm heterosexual. But when I heard those things, it was like I was cringing and I compared myself out because I was too busy looking at like where you came from, the color of your skin, your sexuality, and all of that, that I could not find my place. And I'm not going to say I couldn't, but I wouldn't allow myself to identify because I'm still in that mindset 
of junkies and, 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 and winos. But every time I came into recovery and went back out, I and I saw people who were still clean and I was checking off those boxes because it got to a place to where I was homeless several times, right? No, I didn't physically uh, uh, go in a garbage can and take a burger out, but I used to camp out behind the food lion waiting for them to throw away food that was spoiled or about to expire to take home to feed my wife, right? I would go up into stores and steal steaks this thick, and my, I'm so hungry, my stomach touching my back, but I don't have the audacity to split one with my wife because I got to get one more. I'm talking about, like, to get one more. To where I, how do I say this delicately, without not you getting what it took me to, but, like, having oral sex with a woman, right, and, and, and it wasn't the best or the healthiest of conditions. But I did it anyway because she had the drugs and I needed one more. It was that that brought me to understanding that we're more alike than different because I remember how I felt. I remember the shame and guilt and how I compromised my own value system, right, or how it made me feel. So what I'm trying to say is, I ain't no better than you. Throw out the goddamn college in the, in the, in the languages that I speak or, or, or where I've been, right? At the end of the day, we all got different stories. We all come from different backgrounds. Some of us more fortunate than others. But at the end of the day, pain is fucking pain. Humiliation is humiliation. Degradation is degradation. All that stuff that comes with using drugs, abusing drugs and alcohol, I finally felt because it ain't what you did, it's the fucking feeling inside. So at the end of the road, right, I didn't have the courage to kill myself, but I didn't want to live in this world. So that's why I say the end of the road for me was a spiritual death, and I'm going to take you to the last day that I used. I found myself living in a house with no running water, because I ain't paying bills. I'm doing what I always did. I got to go to get high. No electricity, no water, no heat. Luckily, it was warm out, but, you know, and, and I ain't have nothing. Bed bug infested, mad at my wife, because she don't want to stay there with me. I'm talking about being reduced to an animal level. I'm talking about being comfortable with it. I remember living in Ohio and, and sleeping on different people's floors and living in a rooming house or somebody else's rooming house and, and mice running around the floor all night and how comfortable I got with that. But yet I'm not identifying that I got a problem. So the last time I used, right, I'm going to go back a little bit. I owe the federal government thousands of dollars. I was being garnished twice 
uh, in active addiction. I still got high. We were some of the most geniuses people when it comes to getting some drugs, right? But look, uh, going back, it finally caught up with me when me and my, my first wife I was talking about um, went through a thing and we both filed taxes and, and somehow I got bump head, but I, I, I got the, the bad end of the stick, John. <laughs> so I'm paying this and I'm paying garnishments um, from an eviction. It was like back to back, but I'm paying two at one time, right? And, and student loans, that was the main one. The student loans was hitting me at the same time as back taxes from when me and my ex-wife filed taxes, right? So I didn't file taxes. I'm not filing, you gonna take it. But this is, something good came out of it. Finally, them garnishments were paid off, right? And I had filed income taxes for five years, four previous years, and the current year, and I got all this money, right? I'm talking about, um, this is part of that pattern of going up and coming down, going up and coming down. So I take that money, and I go buy me a, a Cadillac CTS, right? In, in 2014, it was like 2012, and it's like, I'm good. I'm popping my collar. I, I got this great job again. I had uh, gotten a CDL, and, and, and that's the only way I got it because I had that lump sum of money. I couldn't save a, a two nickels because it's all going to get high. So I go buy this car and I'm thinking I'm doing well again. And, I, and, 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 and I'm getting high with this group of people and they calling me Big Keen and, and I'm feeling like I'm real important, you know. I thought they were my friends. I know they weren't today. You know, some of y'all might have been there, right? You know, Friday come and your phone blow up. Oh, they got the bomb, they got this, they got that, you know, playing their part. So anyway, I end up at this house, and I go in, funky, smelly, dirty, uniform on, right? Because at the end of the road, I'm pilfering through dirty clothes to see which one smells the best to put on, or, or I should say stink the less, right? So I show up at their house and I get there and we're waiting because, you know, the drug man ain't never on time. But you know how it goes. You're going to wait when you think it's good. You're going to wait. And I put my head down on the table and they said, what's wrong, Big Keem? And I said, I'm tired. Now, what they thought is that I was tired because I had been there the night before to like three o'clock in the morning and I gotta go to work at five in the morning and, and I haven't had the proper rest and I'm driving this truck around all day and here I am right after work, I'm right back in their house. But what I realized is that I wasn't so much as physically tired, but I was tired, brother. I was tired. I was at the end of the road and didn't even know it because I remember I'm talking about my current wife. Now, mind you, she's an addict too, and we used to compare who got it worse. She used to say, you ain't going to never stop. But I'm thinking back, and I'm still writing old information like I told you. Yeah, I had periods where I stopped, but I couldn't stay stopped. At the end of the road, I actually couldn't stop. I wanted to, but I couldn't. I couldn't stop. I could not stop spending my whole fucking paycheck up. 
I done told myself a million times, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And I'll go to work and I'm having a good day and I say, not today. But as soon as I get off, I got to get that 22 ounce. And then I'm off again, off to the races. It got to the point they give me whatever I want. I was owing my check out. So I'm sitting in this house and I say I'm tired. And the drugs finally come. And I take this mega blast. And the first thing that came to my mind was, damn, that shit is good. I got to get some more. I got some more on the table, but that's the first thought. And then God did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. Because I got a bell ringer, right? And I felt it. And I could hear them talking. Oh, he got that. Oh, he got it. Y'all heard the language before. Oh, he got that one. It break us off, King. Break us off. But I'm sitting there in a stupor, right? And I could hear them talking. And it went from, damn, I want some more, to where my body started feeling very weird. And I had never felt that way before, right? And it was like, I felt death coming upon me. And I knew that if I continued to smoke anymore that night, I would have killed myself. I would have OD'd and probably died because their greedy asses, just like me, would have been some of the horror stories I was talking about going back to where I was looking at people as junkies and winos. And y'all heard the story, just put, send them outside. They didn't care enough about me to if something happened to me, they was going to, like John was saying, make sure you take somebody. They didn't care about me like that. Hell no. So I took this hit, and I'm in a stupor. And it went from, I want some more, and this is what I heard. Now that you got it, what are you going to do? And I can still hear them in the background talking. And what came out my mouth was, I'm done. See, I went from, I want some more to why I don't want no more because I realized that that was the feeling, right? We're talking about feelings. That I was talking about earlier with identifying them, but that was the feeling that I felt the first time I ever smoked crack cocaine. And I realized I had been chasing that feeling for 15 years. But it, it didn't feel right. It went from feeling right to damn. I don't want no more. And I got up and I smacked it across the table. And dude's wife is down there trying to pick it up. And I'm like getting up. Wait a minute, Keem. Where you going, Big Keem? Where you going? And I'm trying to get to the door. I'm trying to get the hell up out of there. Because I didn't feel right. I felt life, energy, spirit being sucked out my body. And this is when they first started talking about fentanyl. I know today, I know it didn't get lab tested, but that was in it. I ain't never took no one hit and it did that shit to me before. I don't know what the fuck I was smoking, right? So dude let me out the house and I sat in that car that I was just talking about that I bought and I left this out that had been repossessed twice in four months. Yeah, because I, I don't pay bills. I got to get high. 
I got in my car and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and it seemed like I cried forever. But what I knew were those were tears of joy. I was done. I drove home and I woke up my wife and I told her, baby, I'm done. I ain't getting high no more. I love you, Kashonda. You know my wife. I told her I'm done. And she cussed me out. <laughs> like I said, she know. She called me all kind of expellatives and names and, 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 and stuff like that and said, motherfucker, you ain't going to never stop. You done said that before. And I took a page out of her book and I said what she always say, I'll show you better than I can tell you. I didn't go to work the next morning. I'm so grateful that the seed was planted in the fellowship that I belong to, Narcotics Anonymous. Don't matter which one you get into, it's some 12-step program, right? Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, shit, there's, there's, there's other pathways to recovery, but I'm so grateful that the seed was planted in that fellowship that I already knew where to go. And I went and I picked up a white key tag and I saw a brother there who was a sponsee brother from years ago. And when I picked that key tag up, he hugged me and told me he was glad to see me that I don't ever have to use again. And he said, what are you gonna do different? Because people had seen me go from Virginia to Ohio, to Ohio, back to Virginia, to Virginia, to Ohio, and back to Virginia. And that's what he asked me, what are you gonna do different? So enough about all them drugs, right? I just wanted you to know how I got here. What brought me here? I finally got to that place, like I said, those feelings inside, you know, to where it, it, it's the feelings. Standing in front of a mirror with a, with a damn near brand new Cadillac, right? With a fresh outfit on. I finally save a few dollars to buy an outfit and get a haircut and still not liking what I'm looking at in the mirror. That's a terrible feeling, man. I don't ever want to feel that shit again. So I'm grateful to, to be able to put on some clean clothes, right? I'm grateful to be able to spend money on myself. I'm grateful to be able to go out and eat what I want to eat. I'm grateful for all of what life has to offer. And it's all because I gave myself a break and made a decision that I wanted to do something different. So I'm going to talk about what doing something different looks like for Hakeem. How did I get to this point where I'm standing here hopefully being a hope shot to you ladies and gentlemen? I had help along the way. Some people who cared enough about recovery, right, that they helped me in this process. Sometimes I didn't like the help. Some of them knew me from before, my arrogant, combative ass, thinking I'm smarter than everybody that's around me because you're different, right? Dude asked me an important question. What are you going to do different? I'm talking recovery now. See, I'm the addict that came in 
That time after I picked up this key tag for the last time, that white key tag and surrendered, that was throwing his hand up at every meeting. I'm sharing like Shakespeare, sharing about shit I don't know about. I'm repeating stuff y'all heard, but I ain't did no work on me. Like I said, recovery is an active change of ideas and attitudes. Yeah, I could stay clean. I could get clean. I'm as clean as I was going to get at 30 days. But I was missing the most important part, that any addict, any of you guys, any of you young ladies, any of you gentlemen, can stop using. I did that. I believed that part. I got that hope shot. Lose the desire. I lost the desire the last time I used. God did that for me. I didn't do it on my own. I was never able to push my way away from that table. I'm going to smoke it all up to it's gone, and then when you kick me out, I'm going to go find some other means to, to get some more. What I kept missing was a new way to live. A new way to live. So I'm that addict raising my hand, talking about this and talking about that. And, and like I said, there were people along the way that helped me, right, that, 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 that care enough about recovery and helped me see myself. And, and, and one of these dudes that been around for a while said, you know, the same addict will use. Because I'm the one talking about nothing changes, nothing changes, but ain't a goddamn thing changed. I just did what I always did. Stop using for a minute. And I probably was going to head down that same destructive path of the disease, like uh, getting on me, giving me a little bit of control, for me to think that I got all the control, to find myself in the same place again, sitting on the edge of the bed with no control at all. So he told me, Hakeem, don't worry about catching up. Just catch on. Just catch on. Just catch on. It's a simple program. I don't have to bring all that other stuff to it to impress y'all so y'all see me as that dude from the Pentagon who any time I ain't start using until I was 35 years old and all this. They don't care about that dude. I just told you, I understand, at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all the same. So I said, you know what? For the first time, I practiced a little bit of open-mindedness and said, I need to do whatever I need to do because he told me, he helped me see how I do the same thing over and over and over again. And he said to me, what I'm going to say to you guys, if you're listening to, the, to your thinking, you, you, you're listening to the last person you got high with. So I did what they told me to do. I got a sponsor. I got in a, a home group. And, 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 and thank God for the sponsor that I have, right? He put me in service. And I've been in service to Narcotics Anonymous my whole time here. And it helps keep me clean. And what it did for me was help me become, like, get to that last part, a new way of living. Helping me to have, like, empathy. Helping me to have, like, compassion, you know, uh, Helping me become a better husband, a better a father, a, a better son. All of that stuff that I always wanted to be but couldn't be. Because I was too caught up thinking I was all this and that based on some material ass shit. 
So I got a sponsor, I got a home group, I started taking suggestions, and I got into what they call step work. I built a foundation. I started letting people know me, man. I got phone numbers. I started calling people. People started calling me. And then I started feeling good about myself. I started fitting in, right? And, and at first it was hard because I told you I was combative. And my sponsor told me, right, he said, read the literature, Hakeem. Get it in your spirit. And I read the literature. I started reading the literature. And he said, find yourself in the literature. And I found myself when I read Who's the Addict. And I start thinking about all that stuff I was talking about, them boxes them, them, that I was checking off, them yets, and how I was like, damn, I'm an addict. I'm an addict. So I finally had some acceptance of who I am, right, and was able to surrender. And in that process, right, of, of reading the literature and finding myself in it, I was able to find y'all. And when I found y'all, I found a God of my understanding. I found uh, some inner peace that, like, there were some people who genuinely cared about me. Not when I get paid. <laughs> you, know, you know, how much money I got in my pocket. But they know. I'm going to spend it all up with you. I genuinely found some friends, right? And in that process, like I said, doing the work, um, I've been able to do the things that they suggested, like practicing spiritual principles. I'm talking about, like, to a better life, to that new way of living. So it's like today, and I want to quote something our literature says, right, in one of our recovery books. It says, when, when an addict, like, when we abstain from drugs, our lives steadily improve. I got evidence of that. Every time I stop, my life improve, improve. But then it also goes on to say that, like, if recovery is more than mere abstinence, if, if addiction is more than mere abstinence, then recovery has to be more than mere abstinence. So I'm talking about if you want to stay here, right? If you here right now and you make a decision, okay, I'm not going to use again. Yeah, I'm fine. It's easy to say I know because I've been in treatment and I've been in the Salvation Army. But what about when that's over with? When you do get to go home, or if you don't get a chance to go home. I'm talking about the reality of what it is. Even if you don't, you can still be happy, joyous, and free without the use of drugs, right? I'm a testament. I bear witness to that. I'm living my best life today. Because when I look back in the past at those things I was telling you about, buying new cars and vacation in other countries and doing all and this and, you know, doing this and this and that. I'm more happier today, right in the present moment of where I am. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for where I'm at because I'm a stand-up guy today with integrity. I'm no longer the wolf in sheep's clothing, the guy that would sleep with his uh, wife's girlfriend or his uh, uh, or, or their girlfriends or better yet, dudes I call my, my homeboy, that's what we called him back then, sleeping with his wife or girlfriend. I'm talking about Hakeem. That's the dude I was. That's me back then. Today I'm not. That's not me. I'm a loving, caring husband. Um, 
The literature says, like, when the addict puts the drugs down and works a program, lost dreams awaken and new possibilities arise. I say that, and I, that's one of my favorite things because, like I said, I told you I was always consumed with the past, and this person that I created or who I thought I was always chasing with me and the ex-wife had that I wasn't even giving my current wife a chance, right? I'm talking about I'm not in the lost dreams. There's new possibilities. Today I have a recovery house that people come to as a sober living facility, right, that guys can come to and they can stay clean and I'm able to pour into them and help them on their journey. I never thought I'd be doing that. I never even cared enough about the next person to even want to. But it was my own uh, experience in active addiction that I understand the day I get it. And I don't want to see no addict die seeking recovery. Because we were just talking about it. Fit and all, I've seen a lot of people die in the last couple of years, and I don't want to see that. I know I can't stop it. I can't control it. But I have the energy and compassion to, like, want to help. Sure, it is a, is a opportunity to supplement my income, but I do far more than, than, uh, than, than, than get money from people and what I give back to these guys. And I enjoy doing it. I'm, not, I'm saying that to say I'm not that self-centered, self-obsessed, seeking dude that only think about me. I'm not that dude that has to spend all my money up on somebody and press them just to get them to like me. I can do stuff from the heart, man. And that's why I'm here today. I had something to do. Yes, a friend is celebrating. I had a long day. I got a lot on my plate. I got to go to the recovery house today. And the thought did occur. I'm talking about my honesty, which is call John and say, you know what? I can't do it. But that was the disease of addiction talking to me. And I said, oh, no, I'm going. I'm going. Because I don't know what the outcome going to be like. I don't prepare for stuff like this. But maybe somebody, just one person, that's all, I hear something from me, right, that'll help them and, 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 and refuel or charge their recovery process to where they want to do something different. So I asked y'all questions. How many are sons or how many are this or that? And my active addiction, living with my mother and being thrown out, like I love my mother, right? One of the things that I used to compare myself out with when I would hear guys say they robbed from their mother, they stole from, that's not my story. I could never bring myself to do that. I understand, but I robbed time from her. I robbed some other things from her. But it got so bad, I remember my mother like put her hands on me and told me to get the fuck out that I wasn't her son. And we went through a period of almost like two years where she did not speak to me. Today. Today. Because of recovery. Because I like walked this walk, right? Because I gave myself a break and did something different. I'm my mother's go-to guy. She don't do nothing without me. Nothing. She don't always take my suggestions. I find myself talking like uh, 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 recovery stuff to her. I don't tell her this is from Alcoholics Anonymous. This is from Narcotics Anonymous. But I'm giving her what they gave to me. And my mother tells me she's proud of me and that she loves me. My mother owned eight taxis at one time, right, in Richmond. And I remember in active addiction, she was saying she was going to leave it to my younger brother who has no interest in it 
but I was the one kind of like helping. I remember how hurt I was. But she no longer does that. She, well, she do, but not on that same scale. And I wish I could have been there for it then, but I don't live in the past anymore. It's like I said, in present day, it's like she comes to me. She asked me at my advice, well, what do you think? When something goes on with the family, one of my sisters, or I had an aunt that just passed, she comes to me. And that's a beautiful feeling, man, to have my mother's love and support because at one time I was her pride and joy. I was the one they always talked about. My mother always put me out front. I don't need to be out front today, but it feels good to receive that love that I received as a child again. You know, to know that I could be there for her. My son. We'll talk about my son. It hurt me to take my son through what I took him through. It hurt me, right? And maybe some of you guys can relate to this, to where my ex-wife, when she made the decision to get married again, and I'm still in active addiction, that like, this dude is there, I'm in Virginia, and another man is raising my teenage son when he needs me the most. When he needs me the most. And to see him get locked up, and I couldn't be there for him because I'm in active addiction. Now, today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little more about that. About two years ago, three years ago, I was at a convention in Ocean City. And, and, and I was on my, me and my wife was on our way to the casino. We had just heard the main speaker, and I got a call. My son had OD. Luckily, he had people around him with Narcan, and he had to get it twice. But I remember how I felt and holding myself hostage is all my fault, and I wanted to. To, to run to Ohio, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that, and I'm blaming myself, right? And, 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 I'm, and I'm giving you the things that helped me survive my emotions, right? I'm talking about, like, this process of spiritual growth through recovery by getting a sponsor and working steps. Of this closed-minded person, self-centered, arrogant person, finally deciding to do what has worked for others is vital. I picked up the phone and I called my sponsor. I pulled over, he prayed with me, right? Right there in real time. And he told me, reminded me, I'm powerless over there. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could do. But I could be there for my son, right? And I gotta keep walking this path that I'm walking. I told you that story because today, him and his mother don't speak. But me and him, just like this. He says he don't do hard drugs. I believe him. I don't see the evidence of it. He smokes his weed. He do what he do. I don't tell him what to do and what not to do. I just know what I can do and what I can't do. But what I can do, because of this program, right, because I gave myself a break, is be there for my son who's 35 years old now. I'm talking about because I'm doing something different. I don't know if anybody here can relate to that, have an a, a impaired relationship with your children, 
or ladies too. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that it's possible to rebuild those relationships. This program has given me the opportunity to rewrite my obituary. How many been to a funeral and they praising the guy or the girl and they say, oh, he was this and he was that and he was such a good person. It's like when you look on the news, they was always good. Well, no, they weren't. I've been to plenty of funerals. This is a bunch of bullshit. No, they weren't. But this program gives me the opportunity to rewrite that, that they can get up there and they can tell the truth. Yeah, he had problems, but that's not who he was. This is who he is. This is who he was. How many of here want that? How many of here want to be a productive member of society? It's possible. You just give yourself a break, man. Get plugged into this thing. Do something different. Get out your own goddamn way. That's what Hakeem had to do. Get out my own way. Let some people show me how to do this. Let some people genuinely care about me. Help me. Something I never could do. I've been into at least two or three fights. I'm talking about at meetings, almost fights. One was a fight. I'm talking about the old me because I don't want to listen. Because I'm bringing in that stuff of who I'm really not. I'm not no gangster. Yeah, I'm from New York. I know about all that street shit. But no, that's not who I am. I don't have to put up these defense mechanisms and acting like I'm all this or all that because I'm from Mosby or Wickham, wherever you're from. No, I don't. I don't hold myself hostage today because I allow people to love on me, man. And in return, that's where I'm at today. I'm in the business of doing that. And it feels good. It breaks my heart when someone goes back out. I don't give up on them because y'all didn't give up on me. It took me 10 years to get back to this program, and I'm grateful that I made it back by the grace of God that I can stand here today and hopefully be a hope shot to you guys. So I don't want to keep on talking. I'm hoping y'all got something out of that. You know, we can become productive members of society. We can be good fathers. Hell, we could be good uncles. I'm a good-ass uncle. My nephew just had a birthday. I was able to go bless him with $50. It felt good. The old me wasn't giving $50 to nothing. Hell no. Y'all know. Mm -mm. So we can be good uncles. We can be good nieces. We can be good nephews. Whatever. You just give yourself a break, and I want you to know whether, whatever your uh, mental state of being right now, I'm talking about mental state as far as feeling helpless or hopeless. I want you to know that I believe in you, right? This program works if you just give yourself a chance and allow it to work. That's what I had to do. I'm so grateful that I gave this program a chance. I'm talking about a recovery program. Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. I gave myself a break and let some people pour into me and help me build this guy up that, that's standing here talking to you today. Thanks for allowing me to share and thanks for listening. Wow, good job. And I tell you what, you know, I, I just heard Hakeem two weeks in a row. 
It was better the second time, but it was pretty much the same talk, but I heard more. And uh, some of y'all see my shirt on, right? My daughter gave me that for Christmas last year. She grew up, you know, she's been, she's 31. She was, I've been clean her whole life. She grew up in recovery, so she grew up in N.A. And, but people say a lot of things about my dad, but he's definitely not on drugs. And she got me the shirt, so I thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, you hit on a thought there, Hakeem. And this may not mean a whole lot to y'all, but it meant a lot to me. You know, we don't, when we're born, we don't choose our parents. Y'all can agree on that, right? Not a person in here chose your parents. But a lot of us got kids. My dad was an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic. And I remember growing up, living through the horror and nightmare of what I grew up in and, and witnessing what I witnessed out of my dad. But when he died a couple years ago at 90 years old, something happened along the way. He found Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was sober 45 years when he died. So I got to spend those last, shit, 35, 36, 37 years with him. We both in recovery. And I can remember... I got, I got seven brothers and sisters. We had a beautiful funeral mass for them. They were Catholic. I don't know why, but we did it. But I, I did a eulogy. And I, and I remember during the eulogy, I, I made it real clear to everybody, look, I couldn't choose my, my parents. But if I had it to do, I would have chose my dad. And... A lot of y'all got kids that ain't been pretty. You got time left. So when your time comes, you want your kids to have that same reaction. I would choose my mom or dad all over again. And I know a few of y'all in the room. You know me. We've been around a long time together, some of us. I knew some of y'all when you had a full head of hair, it was nice and dark and whatnot. And I know and I know some of your kids. And and you know, I can imagine what they go through sometimes. So give us some thought. You know, you got time. And, you, and here's one more thought because we gotta close it out because I got a I got an appointment at eight o'clock, but and I got forty five minutes to drive to it. Think about the next time you got because I King, you said a lot. In and out, in and out, in and out. Somewhere along the process, you got to tell yourself, you know, it'd be just as easy if I get out, work three part-time jobs, shut the fuck up, go to meet, and do what my sponsor tells me. You know what I mean? Give yourself several years and, and see where you're at. Think about that. You know, that's what you want to do. It ain't that hard to do. Now, the key to listen to your sponsors get a good one. Right, Hakeem? I'm sure you got a good one. I got a great one. I don't hardly have to talk to them no more, man. I mean... But don't think we didn't do a lot of work. I promise everybody in there, I can make this promise because I can do that. You're not going to regret being an old-timer in recovery. You're not going to regret staying clean. I can promise you that. But will you regret repeating this behavior again, ending up back here? I bet your ass you're going to regret that. So 100% of the people I know that stay clean don't regret it. And 100% of the people that repeat the same behavior again and regret it. There ain't no 60, 40, 70, 30. It's a 100% swing.
And then for you hard-headed people that ain't quite getting what I'm saying, drug use is like a shit sandwich. Recovery is like a Twinkie. Okay? Let that taste bud sink in for a minute. Because I'm sure some of y'all ate some shit and you didn't like it. But I'm, but I'm sure some of y'all ate a Twinkie and that was much better flavor. So y'all think about that. Y'all been fabulous tonight. Can't wait to see you in two weeks. Thank you so much. And be, be sure and thank the CEOs for doing a good job, working hard for the sheriff, bringing us out here. Because we couldn't do this without the sheriff's cooperation or these CEOs. So we appreciate all the hard work y'all do for us. Y'all take care of yourself. Later.